0: good to be in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Even if it's cold outside, we're glad to be in here. Thankful for the heat, too. Thank you, Jesus, for the heat. Well, welcome back, church. Some of you were not able to be with us at Christmas Eve and our New Year's service, and we had a great time. Our, our Christmas Eve service was joined. We joined together the two congregations. We've got three um, congregations as an Antioch church here in the area. We've got a church in Brighton called Antioch Brighton. We have a church in Beverly, and then we have a church here. And the two churches in the city, two congregations in the city, joined together for Christmas Eve, and we had a great two service celebration on Christmas Eve morning. So that was fun. And then last week we had an awesome service. We we came together and we. Um, Uh, shared Thanksgivings as a church, and prayed together, and the the Thanksgiving testimonies were so encouraging. Uh, If you were here, uh, I would imagine you were like me, you left going, man, I am so glad I'm a part of this church. What an awesome opportunity and an honor to be able to walk together. So if you missed it, I'd say um, check it out on the website, but I bet you we didn't record it, so if you want to hear testimonies, I'll, I'll share some with you after the service. Um, this week, I had the opportunity to uh, travel to Puerto Rico, and I, I want you to know that I think I might be onto to something. I think I might have prophetic travel anointing. Um, my sons um, asked my my wife they said Does D- did Dad know that it was going to be a blizzard while he was gone how did he How did he do that and then I, I think one of them said didn 't that happen like last year and the year before?" And, you know, I promise you, I I don't think I know, but I think I know when to be gone. And so I have to admit that when I was in Puerto Rico the last day of our our scouting trip, and I'll share later in the service a little bit about uh, the awesome things that are going on in Puerto Rico and the, the opportunity that we have to partner with an awesome church that's doing some great things in Puerto Rico. Um, I have to admit that on the day of the blizzard, there had been scheduled into our schedule, not by me, but by our hosts, a beach day. <laughs> and I I, I I don't know what, I, I, I did not repent then, and I don't think I'm going to repent now, but I was in the water, 80 degree temperature, thinking about you. I want you to know I was <laughs> thinking about you uh, uh, as you were enduring <laughs> the blizzard, i starting to get missiles fired my way I'm gonna go ahead and jump on into the message right now Um, but it was it was a privilege it was a privilege to to be there and thanks for praying for me and again I'll share some words later on next week we start a series I wanted to alert you to this but we are going to be starting a four-week series um, on the book of Leviticus and we're we're going to be looking at the themes of Leviticus. And if you're wondering, what in the world are the themes of Leviticus? Can this be a book that I actually want to sit through four weeks of sermons on? Yes, you do want to be a part of this series. It's going to be awesome. It's actually going to be um, it's been created and um, set up by Brian Marcioni, and he's going to take the lead in teaching um, three out of these four messages. So you'll you'll really enjoy the insight that he brings and. And then he's going to coach me and help me preach one of the messages in the series. Um, I'm going to take one of them. So um, we're excited about the the series to come. So be here next week as we start a journey through Leviticus. Lastly, as as we were sitting there praying for the kids, um, I've often thought this, and by the time I get up here, I forget it. But I think. You know, it's really cool that we lay our hands on the kids and say, God bless them. We lay our hands on the, the workers, and I thought, we need to lay hands on ourselves. We need, as, as David was praying over the kids in the service, I thought, God, we need to pray over the adults. That we would open our minds and our hearts to what God is speaking to us, and that we wouldn't just be hearers, as James talks about in his, in his letter, uh, but, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the Word of God, but we would be responders that we would be doers. This morning, I'm going to share what I feel like is a prophetic encouragement to us as a church for 2018. And I think it would be appropriate for just us to just stop and pray for ourselves, that God would speak. So, Father, would you do that? Um, would you? Even as I'm speaking, I feel like sometimes when I'm preaching, that the, I realize, oh, the message is actually just for me. Um, Lord, I ask for all of us that we, we would believe that the Word of God is for me today. Lord, I ask especially that we would not drift or wander uh, into other thoughts that distract us from the, the, the rhema word, the in-season the word for us right now, but that we would be eagerly anticipating what you want to say. It might be through what I say. It might be Spirit of God through the Holy Spirit filter you put on my words as they reach our ears and we, we hear directly from you. Lord, I'm asking God that everybody would be attentive uh, to what you might be saying, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, um, last, um, last year, 2017, in December 18th, I was spending time with the Lord, and uh, for those of you who don't know my routine... Um, I I try to make it, um, my personal goal is that every morning I wake up early and I spend time with Jesus first before anything else in my day. I I consider it uh, in in some ways a response to the the admonition of of the Word of God to give God first fruits, and there's many ways that God can receive the first fruits of my life, but one of them is, God, would you take the beginning of my day? And would you know that I am by this pausing in my, my day saying, God, you are first. Um, you're most important. And not only that, um, over the years, I, it's not just an act of worship for me. It's an act of desperation. I remember uh, hearing from one um, reading about a, a pastor in Korea who was at the time pastoring a church of 600,000 people. And I thought, that sounds miserable. (laughs) And actually, when he wrote about his journey as a pastor in that church, he talked similarly. He said, I have to spend time with Jesus so that I can lead this church. And the larger and more complex this church becomes, the more time I need to spend in the presence of God. I can't... I, I don't sacrifice the time of God because I have so much going on. If I have so much going on, I need more time with God so that I can discern and experience the presence of God so that He might empower me for the day's work ahead. So I just encourage you with this truth that is stirred in me. God, I want you to have worship by giving you the first of my day, but I also need you to get through the day, to speak to me. And as I was meeting with God on December 18th, 2017, I was finishing up a two-year journey through the Old Testament, reading a, a certain number of passages of Scripture daily, letting God speak to me, and I had gotten to the last reading of the Old Testament. Anybody get excited when you get to the very end of something that you're wanting? I was like, God, it's the last day! I'm going to throw a party for myself. You know, finishing the Old Testament. And I opened up, uh, and, I, and I had gotten off, I had a certain way in which I was reading through, it wasn't like I was reading chronologically through through the Old Testament, I was reading different passages and different themes, and I was checking them off on a list, and I finally got to that last check mark, and it was Haggai, uh, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And I'm not super familiar with this book, I've read it a few times over the course of my life, but it wasn't like I was like, oh yeah, Haggai, here we go, it's like okay, Last reading in the Old Testament, and I opened up Haggai 2, and I started reading in the New Living Translation, and um, there's all kinds of translations, and they're good for different reasons, but I've been reading the Bible through in the New Living Translation this last season. And in Haggai 2, it says, in this passage of Scripture, it says, And on December 18th, the word of the Lord. I was a little groggy. I looked at my phone, and where my date was. I'm like, it's December 18th. On December December 18th, and when I saw that, I was like, Lord, I'm listening. Why now, at this moment, do you want me to read this passage of Scripture, and what are you saying? And I'd already been thinking about, God, what's the word of the Lord for our church in 2018? Um, And when I saw that, my ears and my heart were attentive. To not only what God might be speaking to me, but what He might be speaking to us. And so, as I jump into this book, we're gonna we're gonna look at Haggai one and two because it's just a two it's just a two chapter book, and we're gonna work through this um, this morning. And we're gonna ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have for us? I believe there's some really good nuggets here, and the theme of 2018. Coming out of this passage of Scripture, from my perspective, is God is saying, Church, build the kingdom. Build the kingdom. Be at work, not in your own strength or labor, but in the, the power of the Lord. We are called to put our hand to the plow, put, our hand, put a hammer in our hand, spiritual hammer in our hand, that, that imagery, and be about building the kingdom of God in our midst. Now, just before we get there, as you're thinking, he's talking about prophecy and words of the Lord. In the New Testament, just to encourage you again with the teaching that we've had a couple of times this last year, but this is your first time, God speaks to his church, and he speaks through people in the New Testament, and he speaks to us in a variety of ways. He speaks to us through the word of God. The word of God is always alive and active, the scripture says, to teach us, train us, correct us, move us towards God, but he also speaks through human beings and he gives prophetic words through human beings. And he says in the New Testament, God teaches us and says, don't um, uh, always be joyful, 1 Thessalonians 5. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. So as we, as you listen to me speak on on a regular basis on Sunday morning, and I'm preaching the word of God, and I'm at times prophesying, proclaiming the things of God. He's saying, don't scoff when someone says, I've got something from God to speak to you. Open up your hearts. Be in a ready, ready position or posture to receive from God and test it. Test it according to the Word of God. Test it according to how you know God to be true in the Scripture. Test it according to how God has been active in your life. Test it according to church history and the patterns of God. And if it seems to resonate with your spirit that is from the Lord, receive it. Don't just listen to it, but receive it and say, God, that is for me. Because we know in 1 Corinthians 14 that Paul says about prophecy that it has been given to us to speak prophetic words of life so that the church might be strengthened and encouraged and edified. Do you want to be strengthened and encouraged this morning? Then receive the prophetic word from the Lord as it is your word, as God quickens it in your spirit. Test it and receive it if it's from the Lord. Amen. And Haggai, there were five prophecies, five prophecies from this prophet on three days during four months in 520 B.C., and all of them came through Haggai and were addressed to specific people in each case. These words of prophecy, in these words, God desired to open the eyes of the people, encourage them to repent and obey, and promise that a blessing would result. Now, as we look at Old Testament prophecies, I want to say one more thing about prophecies. I'm a firm believer that there are prophetic words in Scripture that have their mark on a specific situation in the time that the prophet is speaking, and/or with what the prophet is speaking about in that present context. But in the similar way, and I like this, I like this concept that was uh, that was shared in one of the commentaries that I was looking at as I was studying this passage of scripture. In the same way that uh, we skip a rock across the lake and it hits four or five times without sinking into the water, there are times when a prophetic word hits once, twice. Three times? Four times? It's not as if every prophetic word is just for one situation. And We especially see this in the Old Testament in reference to, the, to, to Jesus. There's there's passages of Scripture that the New Testament interprets, interprets as messianic passages for Jesus that also had application in the context of the Old Testament times. And so I want to say as you're listening to Haggai, because I sometimes... Sometimes some of you come in from certain denominations, come in and go, Oh, no, it's from the Old Testament. It's not for me. Or that's a prophetic word and only has one application. It was back then. Listen up. It might be that the theme or the, the principles or the word itself that God is speaking might be for you today. And I believe it is for us today. <clears throat> the events of this specific prophetic word and this specific thing that was going on. Um, happened during the second year of the reign of King Darius. We'll see that in the first passage right at the beginning of Haggai 1. He was the king of Babylonia. He had followed King Cyrus. King Cyrus was the king that had allowed the the exiled um, nation of Israel to be released back to their homeland. And they had been commissioned to go back home and rebuild the temple. And they had gone back home and they had um, begun to rebuild the temple, and uh, then it had beca- fallen in disrepair again. And um, in that, that second time of trying to rebuild the temple, they stopped rebuilding it because they had gotten persecution from the surrounding the surrounding people in Samaria had said, you shouldn't be doing this. And they'd, they had felt the resistance of the people in their area. And for whatever reason, they stopped rebuilding the temple. And we, we jump into this passage of Scripture and um, Haggai is speaking uh, to the people from God in response to this delay or this pause in the, in the rebuilding of the temple. And it says in chapter 1, on August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, The high priest. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of the Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink, but you are still thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in your pockets filled with holes. God goes on to say, you wanted a harvest, but I blew it away because you neglected the house of God. Build the temple and my blessing will come. Build the temple and my blessing will come. Build the kingdom, and my blessing will come. Have you ever been there? We moved to Boston 20 years ago, and when we moved to Boston, there were a couple of things that people spoke to pastors when you come to Boston. I mean, it's such a warm welcome. You know, there's such a such a sense of wow you are coming into something awesome young man I was 30 years old coming into town had a great vision was excited had my young family two daughters my two young daughters and my wife brought a team with me and we were coming in to establish the church of God and we walked in and we're just we're believing that somebody knew and there was going to be a parade and everybody was going to be going Woo! everybody welcome the richmond's to boston didn't happen. Nobody could care less. All set, thanks, is what I often heard from people who didn't know God. And I thought, well, at least when I talk to the people of God, they'll be excited. And you know what they told me? Hey, welcome. Hey, just want you to know this is the graveyard of pastors. Hope you make it. See you later. No, I'm just kidding. But that's, that phrase, the the graveyard of pastors, I'm thinking, well, I did have the thought that I might you know, live here a long time and in a ripe old age, we'd maybe die here I wasn't thinking I was going to die immediately <laughs> but that was the sense you're you're going to have a hard time making it here and then the next person who came up which by the way is one of the most faith-filled women that I know and who welcomed us in helped us found an apartment and and uh it was full of faith but but she said you know I, I was talking about man it's expensive here I moved from Texas and it was a little bit of a disparity between what I what where my dollar went in Texas and what where it went in Boston she, "Oh yeah, 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 you know what? It's like when you get paid, it's just like washing your money down the sink." And I was like, "Awesome. A, a, a graveyard and my money's being washed down the sink. What a, what a great welcome. I, when I read this passage of scripture about the, the, the money going into your pockets and having holes in your pockets, I thought, how many of us feel like our pockets have holes? I us feel like many I feel like that I'm digging out and I'm not ever getting on top. perspective is everything, right? The truth is, it is expensive here, and the truth is, is that the church has a hard time thriving here, but does that mean that God is not here and he doesn't have a blessing for us if we hold on to him? God has encouraged us that if we will build the kingdom, if we will build the church, something good will happen. We were praying this morning over over the service in... Um, I, was, I, had, I had played the song um, uh, Build Your Kingdom Now by Wren Collective, and we were dancing and singing and praying over you guys. I hope you feel full of joy and courage because of those prayers. But as we were praying, one of, the, one of our guys, Pierce, starts praying my sermon. I said, Pierce, have you been reading my sermon? He said, no, Pastor, I'm just walking with the same God. I said, Amen. But he started praying this verse, which I think is central to our response from the New Testament, the proclamation of Jesus to us through this prophetic word in Haggai. He says this, why do we worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear? That's what the pagans run after, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. I'm, I'm quoting my own translation if you're looking up there going, that's not correlating. This is the NIV 84 that I'm, I'm quoting right now. But, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. If we will seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then the things of this world will be taken care of. <clears throat> So what had he said in that first opening passage? He had said, or that first prophetic word, he said, you are attentive to your houses. You're attentive to your things, but the temple lays in disrepair. Be attentive to the temple. Be attentive to the kingdom. And then the things that you need, and not only the things that you need, how many of you know that the Father is not about just giving you what you need? I don't think this is like, hey, I'm going to work you hard, and then I'll give you some bread and water at the end of the day. The king of kings and the Lord of lords, the the one who has a cattle on a thousand hill, is not trying to be stingy with us. He's just trying to order our priorities. He's trying to let us see that if we get our priorities in order, Tabby at the end of the prayer time says, I feel like the Lord's saying, get your priorities in order. And I said, that's in my message. You got it. If we'll get our priorities ordered, we will not only not experience the blight of a bad crop or the holes in our pockets, but we will experience not only provision, but blessing. And you'll see that in in, in chapter 2 in this next prophetic word where he says, and I will, or at the end of one, and I will prosper you. I will prosper you. Can I tell you this? The Richmonds have been prospered for these last 20 years. We have not barely made it. We have had some holes in our pockets, but that's been okay. But the goodness of the Lord has established us in the land. We have five beautiful children. We own a home. We are in in this for life and we're not sour-faced, blah, 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 I hope I die, people. God has filled us with joy. He's filled us with hope. We love this city. Do you? We love this town. Do you? You you grad students that thought you were just passing through. I got some word for you. You might be stuck. A lot of you out there, there's too many laughs. Because God's presence, God's glory, we're going to read that in a second changes the landscape of our hearts and lives. Changes the perspective of what the world sees as something dismal and not able to overcome. God is an overcomer, and he's a blesser, and he is prosperous. Ah, got to preaching, and I need to get going. The temple in the Old Testament was the central place for God's presence the central place for God's fellowship, the central place of evangelism, the central place of everything, everything funneled into the temple. What happens in the New Testament? Where's the temple? Where's the temple? The temple is you and me. And do we stay? This is a wonderful building. Praise the Lord for 17 Spruce Street in Waltham. But are you hanging out at this building all the time to experience God's presence? I hope not. I hope that you realize that as born-again believers filled with the Holy Spirit, you are now the living temple of the Lord. And so as we build God's presence in this community, it's not about building this building. It's about building you. Let's read on. Then Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message. So he rebuked them and said, quit attending to yourself and attend to me and my kingdom. And when they heard the words of the prophet whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked enthusiasm among Zerubbabel, and Jeshua, and the high, the high priest, and among the whole remnant of God's people, they began to work on the house of their God, the, Lord's, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius' reign. When they heard this rebuke from the Lord, they responded by fearing God and obeying Him. And He gave them enthusiasm for the work of the Lord. Can I tell you one thing that makes me so sad when I am with the church? And let me let you know, I love you. I love you. I love you because I am one of you. I am just a normal human being. I hope you do not think because I stand two feet higher than you on Sunday mornings that I have any less temptations, any less trials, any less struggles, any less fears than you do. I am a normal human being that God said, do this for me. And I said, okay, Lord, I do it. I'll do it. But what makes me so sad, as believers in the Lord, who know what I'm talking about, who know that we are the temple of the Lord, who know that the Spirit of God has lived in us, when we are not excited about building his kingdom, when we are not excited about fellowshipping with one another, in 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 laboring together in the Lord, when we consider it a burden to be a part of the church. Now, I'm not thinking of one person, so if you're thinking, he's preaching at me and I don't like that. (laughs) I, I, I promise before the Lord, I have no person in my mind. Maybe because you're such an awesome church. But in case you go to that place, can I tell you that the joy of the Lord is in the midst of building His kingdom? The joy of the Lord, and we're going to talk about what that looks like in a, just a couple minutes, is in building his kingdom. And he wants to give us enthusiasm. He does not want us to be reluctant. He does not want us to be resistant. We were in a wedding uh, way back, and my daughter Annie was a, a young girl, and she was one of the flower girls. And she once she, the doors opened and she was at the front, she got nervous. She didn't like it. She liked it all the way up until the doors got open, and all of a sudden, was like, "I don't want this." And so, there's pictures of her walking down the aisle like this. <laughs> That's not how God wants us to walk in His kingdom. Oh Lord, I, I, yeah, I'm a, are you a believer? Yeah, but I don't like to talk about it. she <laughs> to reject me. I don't. I don't know what to say. You know. He wants us to be filled with enthusiasm. We should overwhelm people with enthusiasm about a God, whether they understand it or not. People should walk away from us and go, I do not know what just hit me. I don't even know if it's good. But they had enthusiasm about what they believed. I experienced that in Puerto Rico, by the way. I was blown away by their enthusiasm. And they heard the word of the Lord, and they obeyed. Listen, we have small groups that meet. We have one-on-one groups that meet um, within our church, and we have people that are going out into the community and sharing the word of God with people who don't know Jesus. And the primary thing that we encourage our people, you and those who engage in the word of God in discipleship with one another, is take the word of God, read it together, And ask the Holy Spirit, what does this have to do with my life today? And when you hear from the Lord what the the relevant application is for your life, obey it. Obey it. Because by faith, Abraham was blessed. By faith and obedience, these people were blessed. Read through the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And every time the children of God obeyed God, what happened? Blessings. Even if they didn't obey it right, blessing, because God honors those who are willing to obey. A month, chapter two and a half after starting to obey the Lord, and in the midst of building God's kingdom, this is what was said by God through a prophetic word. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in the former in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, "Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong." Jeshua, son of Jehoshedech the high priest. Be strong, all of you people still left in the land, and now get to work, for I'm with you, says the Lord's heavens, Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so don't be afraid, for this is what the Lord of the heaven's Army says. In just a little while, again, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, his presence, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. He promises four things there, that he will shake the heavens and the earth. That the earth will shake. It's a. I believe it's a. Uh, it's a prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to do when he died and rose again. Do you remember when he died? What happened? There was an earthquake, literally, but what what happened in the spirit? The whole kingdom, world's kingdom, was was shaken and turned upside down by the glory of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, quotes this passage of Scripture in Hebrews 12 and then concludes this passage about about the world shaking by saying this, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, Let us be thankful and please God, work hard, you see the same theme, by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for God is a devouring fire, a consuming fire. Jesus has shaken this world. David so beautifully presented this morning in communion. He has set us free. He's overwhelmed us with his goodness. He has changed the way that the world is lived. No longer condemnation. No longer death because of sin. No longer separation from God. But he's brought us into the presence of God, liberated us and set us free and blessed us. Amen? He's laid a foundation. He will fill the church with the resources that we need. There will be a harvest. There will be financial, people, spiritual provision. I'm going to keep on because I want to get to this next passage of Scripture. The future glory of the temple will be greater than the former. Don't look back, but look forward. And in this place, in this place, the temple at the time, but I believe now we are the temple in the church, I will bring peace. Where there's fear on the outside, there's peace on the inside. Where there's trial and travail, peace and tranquility in the presence of God. Let's move on. Verse eighteen. So, um, so they are. So he's encouraging them. They're moving forward. And then verse eighteen, he says this: Think about this eighteenth day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I am giving you a promise now, while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain in your grapevines, Fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops, but from this day forward, I will bless you. Church, I believe 2018 is a year in which we are called to, with enthusiasm, proclaim that the foundation has been laid. Jesus has done The work, the cornerstone is in place and the temple has been arranged. Ephesians 4 talks about us being the temple of God. And as we work together, something is built. What is built? A place of God's presence and His anointing to proclaim His good news to people who need it. He has called us into a blessing and harvest is before us. I truly believe A harvest, while the seed is still in the barn, while we have not seen it yet, God is saying, as you have obeyed me, as you continue to obey me, and I'm saying to you, church, we are people that obey God. We are a people that hear and respond and obey God. As we obey, the harvest is coming. The blessing of God is coming so that we can steward and lead people not only to Jesus, but to the life that Christ has called them to live. The foundation stone Jesus has been laid 2,000 years ago, and it's an encouragement from the Lord for us to continue to proclaim and to see his establishment of his kingdom. So what does it look like to build the kingdom? Just really practically. One more thing. The last of the Haggai, just to finish the finish the whole book, the last prophetic word that he says is that on that same day I'm about to. He says, tells Zerubbabel, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy powers. When this happens, I will honor you, Zerubbabel. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of heaven's army, have spoken. I believe the last part of this word is is that when we obey and establish the kingdom of God, the world shakes before us. There is a shaking that happens when the church is living how it should be, meaning that as we live our lives, then we bring that foundational shaking into people's lives. Lives are suddenly impacted by the presence and the glory of God. Do you believe that? I believe that every single one of you has power within you if you're a believer in Jesus to walk out this room and to walk out into the presence of people's lives and if you're walking by faith and you'll open your mouth, God has something earth-shattering to do and to share through you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. You should believe that. That's who we are. It's not just me. It's not just some. It's not David Pucci. It's not Brendan. It's not Sarah Tua. It's all of us. Together, building the church. Now, can I give you an example, and then we'll respond. I got a chance to go to Puerto Rico. This us just give you an example of what God can do. September 21st, Hurricane Maria hits the island of Puerto Rico. It was a dead bullseye hit if you're watching the, the, the weather. The way that a hurricane turns, I think it goes this way, right? It, it came across from it came across one part of the island hitting it like this. And as you know, on the back end, it whips around and hits this way. It hit every single barrio, every single area on the whole island. Got primary, str- what the category five winds. The worst hurricane to hit Puerto Rico in a hundred years. Every, every, every area it's a mountainous beautiful island I had I was I was not a, expecting how beautiful Puerto Rico is but what the what the people of Puerto Rico said was when the hurricane hit and it stripped at the time and I didn't get to see this because it has already started to turn green all the leaves were ripped off the trees and trees were uprooted and torn down and it, they said the hurricane exposed um, the underside of Puerto Rico and we realized wow we are a much poorer much more depressed island than we thought we were you fly in you look down over the city thousands upon thousands of houses with blue tarps over the top of their house because their house tops have been ripped off we were able to drive through the island with them this church and see how many homes with walls doors windows completely blown out still not repaired uh, I heard different statistics while I was on the ground, and if you know anything about countries that have just been through devastating circumstances, it's hard to get a handle on statistics because it's so huge and there's so much need just to, to provide the basic needs that people aren't going around collecting statistics. But I heard somewhere between 30 to 50% of the island today, three months later, I mean, I'm sorry, 50 to 70% of the island today is still without electricity. For the first month and a half, the m- main way that FEMA and those that were serving under FEMA were, were, were responding to the needs of the island were through distributing food and water. I went to Sri Lanka after the tidal wave, uh, however long that's been now, and within days after the tsunami, food and water were not the issue. We were be- we were already in process of trying to help. Okay, now how do we rebuild this, this these communities? But they had been living for food and water for the first month and a half of their existence. So let me tell you about this church, Marasul. Marasul is a seven-year-old church, the very same age as Antioch-Waltham. It's a 300 to 600-person church. Every time I talk to somebody different, i got a different number. So somewhere between 300 and 600 people are in this church. But it is a standalone church it does not have a denomination that it is from. The lead pastor was Assembly of God. His dad was a pastor of Assembly of God Church. His dad blessed him to start a church, and he decided not to do it with the Assembly of God, but to start it, um, start it on its own because of some of the inherent problems that are existent in the Assembly of God Church in Puerto Rico. He felt like it was better for him to start um, as an independent church. An independent church without any denomination helping them, hurricane hits, and they're sitting around a table, and they say, what do we do? And the Lord said, just start taking care of people. And so they started taking care of people, and they had such a spirit of servant-heartedness and such a a radical generosity and such a zeal to not only serve themselves but to serve others, to seek the kingdom first, that they started to mobilize their young church. It's a church of 30. 30 30-year-old is the average age, 30s and 20s. And they said, what do we do? And I'm going to fast-forward. Over faithfulness and servant-heartedness, they have become the lead humanitarian organization that FEMA works with throughout the whole island. A church our size, responding after the hurricane. They, They often say when you talk to different people from the church, before Maria, I was this, or we were doing this after Maria, this... I said, hey, I got a word for you, pastor. I said, you need to, because everything's blue. It's the blue It's the Blue ocean church. So, Mar- 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 azul is um, blue ocean. And I said, you need to now, there's a phrase called the new normal. You need to start telling people that this is the blue normal. He said, I like that, pastor. I'm going to use it. But they are living in a new normal of faith. Listen to this. They have one... <clears throat> I wish I could, I, I didn't have time to get my my, my my visuals for you, and I'll show them to you later. They mapped out the whole island and strategized how to reach every, every county with food and water at first. That's phase one, and then phase two is to start to rebuild houses. They mapped out the whole island, and they received a warehouse where they received goods from FEMA and other distribution centers, and then they established three help centers to distribute food and water immediately that they run, and then they were uh, they believe for a, a semi truck that was given to them and a, another couple of trucks to distribute the food. And they have marked out um, areas on every one of the sixty eight um, areas or forty nine centers around the around the whole island. And they are one of the primary point people for di- distributing and cooperating with the church in the in the different agencies to distribute food and s- sustainable um, uh, products for the. For the for the country, isn't it incredible? Soul is the primary point, point church relief organization for all of what FEMA is doing in the country. Because they said, "Yes, God, we'll do what you want to do." They have re- reached sixty-eight towns. They've, they've they've established forty-nine local centers and partnerships. They have established six regional centers, eleven thousand seven hundred. Um, weather boxes of food and, and stuff for sustainability have been distributed by them. Um, Eighty-six. Anyway, it's just amazing, and these statistics. Just, just go ahead and say, wow. That's what you need to say. It is wow. And God said, go down and visit this church. And when we got there, we didn't have to be with them for five minutes before we said we're in. They had a map on their building that the first center that they established, they had a map that they had designed and they'd printed out really awesome about how they were strategizing to reach of the whole island. FEMA walked in. They said, where'd you get that map? They said, we made it. They said, that's better than our map. Can we borrow it from you? How'd you get that strategy? We, we heard it from the Lord. That is a great strategy. Can we learn from you? I'm telling you, God is doing something miraculous through the church. And this is an open window. I say this in the context I know I'm way over. Consider it just the word of the Lord for 2018. I want to be soul. Don't you? I want to do it before a disaster happens. I want to say, God, what is your strategy for us building the kingdom in this city where the FEMAs and the agencies of this community? are saying, wow, that church has something that we want. I didn't have the opportunity to go, but I got a sweet voice message from Tanya Fortier this week talking about the, the, the ones of us from the church that served the, the DCF this week. We, if you remember, we took up offerings uh, for the, the workers at DCF, and we provided a breakfast and a lunch and maybe even a snack in the afternoon. I think we blessed them the whole day, right, Brendan? Brendan was able to go. I wish you could share, but I'll just I'll do, I'll do a poor job of sharing what you experienced. But the report from Tanya was, wow, we are so blessed. One worker said, I've worked here for 31 years. This has never been done for me. We are so honored that someone's thinking about us in the middle of what we're doing. I want that to be multiplied times a 1,000, that we would be extending the kingdom of God. Okay? Um, stand up with me. Lord Jesus, we want to put our hands to work, our spirits to work, our lives to work to see your kingdom established in a stronger and greater way than it ever has been experienced in our community this year. We want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and believe that the things that we think we need to spend all of our time on will be handled by you as we give ourselves more fully to the kingdom. Lord, we don't want to walk under condemnation. There's things we've got to do that are practical. We're we're not we're not uh, looking for a legalistic response, and we're not we're not looking to compare ourselves one to another. Father, I ask that you'd break all of those those bad things that could be going through our mind. But Father, I ask that you'd release faith in our hearts. Lord, I ask God that you would order our lives rightly, that we might present to you, as the Scripture says, a heart. Um, Wait, wait. Um, forget that I can't remember how that goes Pre- present to you a heart of wisdom and so Lord we want to be wise we want to be wise and fear you and Lord we want to band together we want to be a church that draws into one another that doesn't give up the habit of meeting as some are prone to do as Hebrews 10. 24 and 25 talks but we want to fellowship together and we want to see your kingdom established in a powerful way so spirit of god would you just speak to us right now as i've gone way over time lord i'm just going to ask that you would do in a moment but at times it might take 10 or 15 minutes for you to do and getting to our hearts so i'm just asking right now as we put position our hearts before you that your word would sink into our minds that our wills would be challenged that you would begin to speak specifically to our life circumstances and that we'd be stirred this year maybe to live differently than we ever have before? What would it look like for us to prioritize the building of your kingdom? Let's wait there for a second. Let's let the Spirit speak to each other. What would it look like for me, Lord, to prioritize my life, to seek you first, and to build your kingdom? As we wait, I'm just reminded of the response of the people. It says they feared the Lord. Lord, we can either fear you or we can fear our circumstances. We can fear our lack or fear the future or fear whatever. But Lord, I want to fear you and trust you. As you speak, as you begin to speak to different ones about different ways in which we're gifted or yielded to you to respond to you, Lord, I ask God that you remove fear. Spirit of God, Loving God, the one who, uh, you said that your perfect love casts out all our fear. Anything that would cause us to fear fully seeking you and responding to you, would you remove that? Would you replace it with hope? Replace it with faith? Replace it with confidence and courage where we'd be strong? not give up, but be strong and continue to move forward. So we receive from you right now, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we receive from you. I pray for dreams and visions. I pray for uh, scripture, as you did with me, to just jump out and encourage people in our church. I pray, Lord, that there would be a joy. There might be even things right now that you're calling people to do. I pray that we would leave obedient sons and daughters that we would work together to see your kingdom built. In Jesus' name.